Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in tonight to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host from singleinthecity.ca. And stepping in for Sandra Carusi today is my friend Joan Kelly Walker of the Real Housewives of Toronto. Welcome, well, thank you Joan. for having me again. I, always, I appreciate it. Well, you know what? I always love having you here. Thank You're you. You're such a great co-host. Thank you. Well, there's no denying that financial stress is a big cause of breakups. Actually, the number one cause of breakups amongst couples just behind extramarital affairs and alcohol and drugs addiction. It's estimated that money issues increase your chance of divorce by 45% in Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's wow. like an astonishing number. The traditional wedding vows include a promise to be together for richer, for poorer, but many couples find for poorer just too hard. <laughs> so today we want to talk about how to money-proof your relationship with special guest, personal finance expert, Rubina Ahmed Huck. Did I say that right? You did, yes. Yay! Rubina Ahmed Huck. Okay, I think it's very timely as, you know, Christmas is around the corner mm-hmm. and it's one of the biggest uh, spending seasons, right? Mm-hmm. And don't you guys find as we get older, uh, Christmas comes and goes so quick? Yeah, it does. Right? It, it ends and it's like it's here again. And you're like one year older. Yeah. Or it just, I think people get into the spirit too early. Like, you know, right after Remembrance Day, people's Christmas trees go up. Where I remember as a kid, it was like December 1st was the time when you started decorating your home. So maybe it's because it's actually coming earlier. I don't know. Is your home decorated? uh, Partially. I'm completely done. Yeah. Completely done. (laughs) So, Rabina, we'll start with you. So how are money and relationship problems often related? Well, especially when it comes to, you know, what your values are uh, in a relationship and then trying to sync that up with what your money values are. So you might love each other because you like all the same things and you like to go to similar places, but then maybe that person likes to always take a taxi where you like to take public transit or maybe that person Public transit. Oh, yeah. No, you're not. Thank you. Some people so say, take the, take the train into Toronto. I'm like, the train? Ta- Heck no. <laughs> we were just talking about how I always take the train in. <laughs> Do you? And I always. usually drive because yeah. I'm coming from a whole different direction. It's a whole different ballgame. Or, exactly. or you get driven. Or I get driven sometimes, <laughs> which is the best. That, that's always <laughs> been my goal in life is to have a driver. Yeah. I just want to get to that place where I can have someone yeah. driving me around. <laughs> that would be so nice. Okay, sorry, continue. So, you know, money in relation, I mean, because money really drives most decisions, right? What house you're going to buy, what trip you're going to go on, what where you're going to go quality, for dinner. Quality of life. Exactly. And if you have different money values, then every single decision you make when it comes to your finances becomes a source of contention. It becomes a source of argument where it's like, well, why are we going to this expensive restaurant when we could have the same night out at this pub down the street or whatever it might be? And if you have a partner who spends and spends and you're a saver, that can become a daily struggle because every day we make decisions about our money and if they're making decisions that don't jive with your values every day you're angry at them because they're spending money in a way that you don't think is is correct so at what point do you have to wonder am I right the with the right person if Mm. you are so out of balance that way 
And shouldn't you figure that out in the beginning? I think so. I think so too. And I think that often what will happen is you'll meet people just like it is in any relationship and you'll have slightly different values when it comes to certain things and you meet in the middle, right? So if you're married to a spender and you're a saver, I'm married to a spender and I'm a saver, but we meet in the middle and he actually sort of encourages me sometimes where I was really frugal before I got married to spend on things that make me feel good and to sort of enjoy spending money. So it kind of, you know, you kind of meet in the middle. I I mean, that also, also comes with the fact that we now both have made good financial decisions so we can make good decisions about our money, right? So, But if you're both spenders, you're always arguing because it becomes a point where you're just always in debt and you're always arguing about that. So at the end of the day, you can always teach yourself things as long as you're open to it. I I think so. I think that in any relationship, you're learning every single day. And so, you know, he's learning to be a better saver. I'm learning to enjoy things better when it comes to my money. Um, and we enjoy meet in the life. You only live once. I think so too. But you also live a long time, <laughs> right? right? Women yes. live till eighty-four in this country on average. And so men, seventy-nine. So and that's one thing I tell women all the time is that statistically, this sounds a bit morbid, but you are going to be alone in retirement, and you've got to prepare for that. You've got yeah. to prepare for f- managing your money by yourself when your partner may not be there to help you. So why is it so difficult sometimes to talk about money? Well, money is a lot like weight, right? We don't feel polite asking people, how much do you weigh? How much money do you make? It's an impolite question. Since we were kids, we were told, don't ask people their age, their weight, or how much money they make, or what their house was, what they paid for their house. Those are impolite questions. So we're raised to not ask those questions where I think, especially when it comes to you know women and careers, if you and I are doing the same job, I should be like, Laura, what are you getting paid? Because I want to make sure I'm getting paid my worth too. We have to make money more of an open conversation when it's appropriate. You don't go but around I, asking people on the street. Yeah, but I would think when you're in a relationship, like that is something that's so important to talk about money. Like I, I have no problems talking about money in my relationship, even from the beginning, right? But a it's lot just, of people are embarrassed because you, know, you might portray yourself in a certain way at the beginning of the relationship and then... Uh, you know, when the truth starts to come out that maybe you don't have what you said you had, it's embarrassing. Or if you're in debt, you don't want to admit that right away. So I think there's there's a level of embarrassment too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that if if you're with someone who makes a lot more money, you might feel, you know, inadequate, like, inadequate mentioning your income because they're like, I make that much in a month and you but make that in a year. Goes for, do you think women feel that way? Like, I think women I, and men feel that way. If a man is I dating a woman. Ma- I think women appreciate when a man makes more money than them. Most of the time. I this day and age, though, I don't know. I think it's, it's I would shifting never be embarrassed. rapidly. I, I, I appreciate the fact that my boyfriend makes more money than me. I like I love that. You I know? think there's more pressure on men to make more money. But I think women are really stepping up and women are great and they're owning it and they want their own money and they don't want to yeah. have to be accountable to anybody. I agree. Well, we need to take a break. This is an awesome conversation. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about how to have the money talk early in a relationship. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I have a special guest, personal finance expert, Rubina Ahmed. Huck? Huck. Yes, I got it. Again. <laughs> and co-host today is Joan Kelly Walker of The Real Housewives Hello, of Toronto. Everyone. We're talking about the impact of money on relationships. So, I, you know, I want to talk about uh, having the money talk 
early on in a relationship. So most people have some sort of financial baggage that tags along with them. Let's talk about starting your relationship on the right financial foot. When do you think is the right time to talk about money in a relationship? I think the right time is, or you have to, is when you're starting to merge your finances. So if you make the decision to move in together, get married, get engaged, whatever it is, as soon as you start merging your finances, you have to have that money talk. But don't you think, I think it should be earlier on. I'll it can you, be I'll earlier. I'll give you an example. I dated this guy. I know if Sandra was here, she'd be like, you always talk about your ex-boyfriends. But it's true. I dated quite a few of them. You learn a lot that way too. <laughs> that's why, yeah, yeah, that's why I'm a dating coach and matchmaker and all that. I learned from my experiences. So I dated this guy and within like four months, I think it was four months, he, he, he told me that he had a lot of debt and then he asked me to lend him like $10,000 or something. And I... I don't know. It was such a turnoff. That's a lot of money to lend somebody. And you know what? I did it. Oh. <laughs> and did he pay and you did back? did he pay you back? He actually did. And I was really worried about it because we did break up because I felt like we started off on the wrong foot. Like you don't ask someone that you're dating a four months, you know, in, can I borrow 10 grand? But, you know, I have a big heart and stuff. And I thought, okay, I'll help this guy out, right? And he did pay me back. But it was just, it was a little bit of a turnoff. So hmm. I don't know. So you're saying when you start merging your finances, that's when, when you should have so. the talk. Okay. And with your situation, that's more of, you know, starting to understand each other's personality. So if someone after three or four months of dating is asking you for a five-figure loan, that is, you know, that's more like this guy is pretty bold asking me for this kind of money and we hardly even know each other. Maybe after four months, you know each other quite well, but not well enough to ask for some a sum of money like that. But you should treat that as an in, like an individual event, you know, okay, do I trust he's going to pay me back? Do I think the, he's going to use the money for good? Uh, but when you have to have the money talk is when you're actually going to be affected by their money habits, right? So when you're moving in together and you have to pay rent, you have to know what their financial situation is so that you know they're going to make rent. You know they're going to be able to help you out with the utilities because you don't want to be with somebody that then you're thinking, okay, the rent is due. Where's your part portion of it? And then you're trying to make up for it because then that's just going to put a strain on your finances. So that's mm -hmm. why I say the money talk is absolutely important when you merge your finances. I have another little story to share. So uh, a friend came to us and said, I need to borrow some money. My husband said, no problem. I'll lend you the money under one condition. First of all, we need to go through your income, your budget, your expenditures. Smart, and, very, very smart. And we need to figure out how you're going to pay me back and, and structure it. And that person said, thanks, but no thanks. I'll go ask somebody else for the what? money. And, and they stepped away. So I think some people are just so uncomfortable asking for money or paying back money or being asked, you know, where's the money that you owed me that you said you were going to pay me back, that it's extremely difficult. So I totally agree with you that you need to have these conversations as soon as you can. And life experiences, like if someone has been divorced or they have child support payments or something like those are big factors into how they spend their money. So you need to share that right off the bat. Yeah. So how do we get, uh, how do we start that money talk? What, what sort of questions do we ask? Well, you know, you, you, you can ask whatever questions. I mean, the, the most important things is how much do you make? What is your debt? And then you probably at that point, especially if you're getting married, already know their habits. Like, do they like to spend a lot of money? Are they really frugal? You probably have already sort of sussed that portion of, you know, that part of their no, life No, but out. you just go, so, hey, do you have any debt? Well, I mean, okay, so if I decide, okay, for example, I'll tell you exactly what Because that's probably the way I would ask. Yeah. And I'm I like straightforward. So, uh, you owe any money? Yeah. And you're going to pay that back? Do you have any back? money? 
So my best advice, like when I got first got engaged that night when we were driving, wherever we were driving, I said, are you going to tell me how much you make now? Because that to me was important. But I wouldn't wait <laughs> for that because then you're like put on the spot, right? So you say, yes, okay. And then he goes, well, you know, honey, I owe $100,000. What? Okay. You know, here's the right. ring back. Well, you can still do that. You can still get out of it at that point. If 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 their <laughs> debt situation affects you that much that you don't want to be with them anymore. But I would, if, if, if I was to give advice, which I don't give relationship advice, but if someone said, I'm in a lot of debt, but you still love that person, you want to marry them, then come up with a plan together of how you're going to get out of that debt together. Because when you marry that person, it's, it's, it's not the nicest thing to say, but you're marrying that debt yeah, as well, right? I because agree. people say it's your debt, you pay it. But until they pay that debt, Debt off, they can't contribute to the household. They can't help you out with your the finances that you're going to be benefiting from. Yeah. Or you could just tell them to go sort it out on their own, and then you'll reconvene later. Yeah, see, absolutely. Yeah. I think that I'm a little selfish like that. I, I'm sorry, but I do not want to take on someone else's. T- but make it, <laughs> and that's fair. I think so. More right? than fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But if you're having the money talk, don't make it so serious. Like, just say, this Tuesday, let's sit down and have some Maybe wine like or champagne. A, yeah, exactly. Say a glass of wine. And let's just but not ask too candid much, questions. Then you can get angry, right? Right. Some people get angry. Maybe, maybe limit it to two glasses. One glass. <laughs> and then, so first talk about the bad stuff, like the debt and your money habits and your obligations, and then talk about the good stuff. Or maybe How much you can money have, have sex you first. Maybe sure. sex first and then talk about money. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I would help. Okay. We need to take a break. (laughs) Stick with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Hey, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta of singleinthecity.ca and I'm joined by co-host Joan Kelly Walker. Hello. Hi. Three Real Housewives of Toronto. And you're doing so well right now. Like you're all over. Thank like, you. Everywhere. It's everywhere I look, busy. you're there. I know. Yeah, I love it though. Amazing. Lots amazing. of great things about to be launched in a huge way And what too. was the recent... Uh, um, article written about you they compared you to Princess Diana that was such a huge honor I am such a fan still to this day of Princess Diana so that yeah I I I truly believe that with great privilege comes great responsibility and that was one of her famous quotes and I try and live my life that way and we're thank you for asking no problem (laughs) (laughs) we're also joined by personal finance expert Rubina Ahmed Haq that's right. Yes. Hi, how are you? Amazing. How are you? You're doing a great job. Thank you. So uh, you suggest that if you're planning a life together, you know, have the merging talk, uh, money talk. So what does that look like? You want to talk about things like, are we going to have a joint account, right? So are we going to go to the bank and open a joint account, which we're going to pay our major bills out of, our common expenses out of, which I recommend you do. That things like, you know, hydro and all the utilities. The boring stuff. The boring stuff should come out of one account because you should know what's going on. It shouldn't be one person's paying all the bills and you're just sort of spending money and the bills are getting paid on a month. You also want to talk about having a joint credit card, right? So it, does that make sense? Especially for those of us who collect reward points, it makes a lot more sense to have you know the same credit card so that you're sort of collecting reward points idea towards one thing rather than you know him having a travel card and you having a grocery card you're not really you know combine your efforts um and then you know talk about what kind of savings you're bringing into the relationship so if one person's been really good and they've saved you know 
few hundred grand and you've you know got a couple thousand dollars in your bank Should account. Should they have to share that? I think if you're moving in together, <laughs> like I said, merging money, merging your lives together, absolutely, because your financial situation affects the other person now. It affects the kind of house you can buy. It affects the kind of life you can live. It affects the kind of trips you can go on. So if you are marrying someone who's in a lot of debt or has really bad spending habits, you've got to talk about that before, you know, it gets to the point where it becomes an argument and it gets more serious. I'm in a common law relationship and I don't even know what his bank account looks like. Like we do not have a joint account. So how do you pay your common expenses together and how do you... Uh, He just takes care of one thing or a few things and then I take care of other things. So, so you have a plan. Yeah, we do have a plan. Yeah, and it's probably balanced. I have no idea what he makes or, uh, well, I mean, I have an idea of what he makes, but I have no idea what's in his accounts or his RSPs or anything Did you like have that. the talk, did you ask him about debt? No, uh, well, I knew he, yes, but I knew he, he doesn't, I, I know that he doesn't have any, but I, I just don't care to even know how much money he has really. But you guys are sharing everything else in your life that yeah. that seems like the obvious thing so you it's should odd. know it's odd it's not i it's guess it's because i'm very independent and i really don't need his money so the situation's a little different and i and i'm one of those women that if we were to get divorced i probably would walk away with with nothing because i'm just like i've got my own money i don't need yours and and, and whatever. that's fine so you'd walk away not with nothing with no, what with you what brought, i brought into the relationship of course like you know whatever i put into it i want it that back yeah, and yes. that's really important to have a clear understanding of that before you go in yeah 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 that's true and I think that you know you're lucky because you are able to make a salary and able to support yourself but there's a lot of women especially stay-at-home moms right so they're you know there's one breadwinner as we call it and I agree and they're doing the hardest job they're raising their kids they're running the household um, and they don't know how much their husband makes. They all they know is they go to the grocery store and they put it on the cart, and then somebody magically. But I pays think that's it. wrong. It's really wrong because a woman who stays home—that's a job. It absolutely is, and it she is. also deserves her own savings. Um, and you know, she also deserves to have her own retirement savings on the side, even if it's not to the, the same extent as her husband's or her partner's. She needs to know that she's got money she can tap if there was something. And to also, go wrong. I think. You know, a woman or anyone needs to have a little something where they can buy themselves something or buy something for the kids or the house without having to justify it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and the other big thing is you, whoever is paying more or supporting more, you don't want to have that resentment. That's the conversation, I think, that really has to happen. You have to put equal value on, on both contributions, whether it's a paying job or a non-paying job, like staying home. And uh, did you ladies read that uh, comic last year that went viral called Mental Load? No. And it talked about all the things that women have to think about on a day-to-day basis. So this is really speaking to women who are working and then going home and then doing everything, you know, with their kids and trying to think, okay, they've got to get vaccinated and they've got to, I got to get a costume for the school play. And, I've, you know, all the other things you've got to think about or out of eggs, I got to make sure I get eggs at the grocery These, all these things that women tend to take the load on. And that, that, is, that in itself is a job. So you're doing a full-time job and then you're taking on all this mental load um so you know sometimes we may not be as in tune with our finances because we're thinking about so many other things so women that stay at home should they be asking their husbands that are the breadwinners for an allowance 
I wouldn't call it an allowance. <laughs> okay. I would not call it an allowance because that sounds very juvenile yes. to call it an allowance. I think that there should be a, an understanding that you have money that you need to spend on yourself for whatever it is, that there are common expenses that need to be taken care of, and then he's got his expenses or your partner's got their expenses, and you have to come up with a solution, whether it's every time you they the breadwinner gets paid, they put this much into this account, this much into that account, and then you spend as you want to. You have to come up with some sort of I, you know, resolution that works for everybody. And whatever that is, that's why you have that money talk because not it's not a one-size-fits-all sort of advice. It's what works for you too. Well, you know, it's, yeah. it's sorry, it's interesting that, um, you know, if you're talking about it, that's obviously a huge step in the right direction. But what if both sides aren't really listening? Like you're not hearing what the other person good needs. question, John. No, that's yeah. a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that comes because with... I've seen that. I've seen that with friends. Well, and... then that's why people split. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is like one. It's still Sadly. Like number. It's only after adultery, I believe. Like you, cheating is the only worst thing you can do. Um, the next thing is you know not being honest about your money. So um, you gotta learn to listen. <laughs> I guess yeah. you know about with your relationship. Yeah. And, and have respect for the other person. Yeah. Right? Always. Well, mutual respect. Yeah, sure. mutual. So, okay, we're uh, we're taking a break. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We're talking about how to money-proof your relationship with personal finance expert Rubina Ahmed Hawk and co-host Joan Kelly Walker. Hi there. So, Rubina, do you think that the partner who makes more should contribute more financially? Absolutely. Or should everything be split equally between the two? No, the person who makes more, if you're merging your finances and you're living together, um, you're lucky enough to make a bigger salary. So you should be like, if you're making, you know, if it's 80-20, it's 80-20. I mean, you you are getting married. You are building. What if you're common law and you're not married? Well, I mean, isn't common law. But you're law, living together. Isn't yeah. the rules of common law, if you split up, isn't it pretty much the same as if a marriage splits not up? Not exactly. Okay. So I'm not a legal expert when it comes to. You we know, had how, a lawyer on the show. We talked about. Yeah. This, how your yeah. assets are split. But I really like, cause I, I hear this all the time with couples where it's like, you have to pay 50, 50. So, but what about the year that she goes on maternity leave and all of a sudden her salary is not what it was when mm-hmm. she was working. She still has to contribute 50, 50. That doesn't yeah, that's seem not to, fair. That doesn't is, seem that's fair at all. Right? right. And you know, of course, if you're, you know, not doing anything and they're bringing home all the money and they're feeling that they're being taken advantage of, that's a conversation to have in your relationship. And and if you don't make as much money, how about contributing in other ways? Like, yeah, of you know, course, yeah. like making the meals or taking making care sure of the, home the laundry's stuff. done. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or cleaning the floors, which I hate to do. Anything, you know, like taking care of all the kids stuff. I mean, that's a huge job. Mm-hmm. Just managing a home is a huge job. Um, and, you know, my husband and I have a system it doesn't work for everybody where we pay, we invest our money first, um, and then we take a little bit of money that we want to that we want to s- spend for ourselves, and then the rest we put into our joint account, and that pays the common expenses. And if there's a month where the you know it seems like oh it's a bit tight, then we maybe spend a little bit less on ourselves. That's just. I mean, I believe that our relationship works really well. You because- guys seem to have a really good relationship. <laughs> Well, that's Thank ideal. You. Thank you. It yeah, really that is, is ideal. ideal. Yeah. But I think if you can do it without resentment or or 
like you you have to find that balance and my husband has been great of doing all the things that you said like he's got an RSP for me separately he's I I have my own income that yep. I don't have to be accountable for and without that I don't think our relationship would would be as solid as it is so I am with you 100% you need to do that and you respect each other's money right so you respect that he has this powerful job where he's you know he he needs to be maybe working late or he needs to be out of the the country for a while you respect all of that and he respects you that you know you've got to sometimes last minute come down and and do this show and sometimes you've got to be at it wherever it is that you need to be for your career um, I think it's also a bit of that too, right? Where it's not like one person's career is the you know the most important one. It's like, no, I respect the fact that you've got stuff going on too, and I'll sacrifice my time to take care of family stuff when you've got to do the work stuff. So I think that's just a healthy relationship, right? But what if there's an, a huge imbalance? It's the 80-20, and the, the person that's making the less income is working so hard and spending a lot of time, but they're still not getting the income. Like they're not progressing in their income. Um, and some people never do. And yeah, that's true. and they're comfortable with that. Yeah. So I recently had this conversation with my husband where I want to join the parent council at my my daughter's school, and he's like, "That's going to take a lot of time away." Obviously, I don't get paid to be on the parent council, and it is a big commitment. Once you join it, you've got to do all these events, and you've got to make sure that you know you're around for certain things. So we just decided as a couple that it wasn't worth our time because it would really mean that once a month he'd have to be home by six thirty so that he could watch the kids, so that I could go to this parent council meeting. And then it would also mean that, you know, if he's got some business uh, meeting that comes up or runs late, that he would have to literally say, my wife has got parent council <laughs> meeting. And I so that we just didn't feel that that was good for, you know, we felt that that was going to create problems. So I decided See, you're not talk- to join. This is my life. This is <laughs> we are constantly juggling. And, you know, I, I to be perfectly honest, I don't need to work. So I'm spending a lot of time doing a lot of volunteer work and doing as much as I can with the kids and, and you know, everything else that I'm doing. And the point is is that we he needs to be supportive of that but I cannot expect him to step in every single time right. so we've decided that it's good enough to put uh, a certain budget aside to have extra help have have nannies have drivers have people there to fill in with the kids and to help make meals and things now how can we make sure as a couple that we have the same money goals because we don't always have the same money goals like for instance someone wants to invest their money in a new property and someone does not or someone wants to buy a huge item and somebody does not how do we manage that i think that it's important to have the 5 10 15 year talk right so you might be you know, a young couple that just met, you may, might be making a similar type of salary and you're falling in love and you're deciding, okay, we're going to get a condo together. We're going to move in together. We're going to start renting a condo together. The first thing you want to say to them, where do you see us in five years? Not without the pressure of, you got to marry me, we got to have kids, but where do you see yourself in five years? And if he says, oh, I see myself living in this condo and kind of living this life. And if you see yourself moving to a four bedroom house in the suburbs and having kids in five years, then you've got to sort of have that talk. Like, no, actually, you know, in five years, I see myself with children. I see myself living in a different home. And if they can't get on board with that, then maybe, you know, you may love that person. You might want to, you know, be with that person forever. But maybe you're not jiving time-wise as to when you want things to happen. And then if you're both like, yeah, we want to get that house in 10 years, 
then at some point you got to sit down and start saying, okay, we got to save for that down payment and we got to start putting some money aside for all the extra expenses that come with owning a, a detached home compared to a condo. So 5, 10, 15 year goals are great. Like they they really help you get your head around where the other person's thinking money wise. Very, very good advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to talk about spending habits now. So usually in a relationship, there's one person who's more of a spender and one who's more of a saver like yourself, right? I'm, Rubina? yes, I'm yeah. a saver, yeah. So what advice do you have in this situation? Not cheap, though. Not cheap. Oh, no one called mm-hmm. you cheap. <laughs> Frugal, maybe. No. <laughs> no, I am. I think about everything before I spend it. Okay, you know what? We need to take a break. So okay. we'll come right back to that. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We're talking about spending habits. Stay with us. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We're talking about the impact of money on relationships with personal finance expert Rubina Ahmed Haq and co-host Joan Kelly Walker of The Real Housewives of Toronto. Before the break, I asked Rubina about, um, you know, what if what if one person is more of a spender in the relationship and one is more of a saver? Uh, what advice do you have in this situation? And is there a way to meet halfway? Absolutely. And I think that the one who is the saver is, it's their job to kind of try to get the spender on board because um, the saver knows that it makes financial sense to always be putting money aside because that's good for your financial future. That means you can afford the bigger things in life down the road. So it's not about sort of completely squashing all the spenders sort of habits. It's about getting them to sort of see the light when it comes to saving. But at the same time, understanding that the spender uh, likes to go out for a fancy dinner once in a while, likes to buy something really nice for themselves and not to sort of criticize those those purchases as long as they're within the budget and you're not going into debt buying it or getting into financial struggles. Um, to to also sort of realize that that's that makes them feel good. That makes them feel like they're using their money. That makes them happy. So um, it's not about you know necessarily one sacrificing more than the other. It's about meeting in the middle and getting the saver to sort of teach the spender to be a little bit more frugal. I think you need to sit down at least once a month, and it's boring as anything. But just sit there and and look at the bills and see what the balance is, and see you know you I, spent this and this and this and this, and I spent one item. Yeah, should there be a chart or something, like a budgeting chart that people should be uh, looking at? So I don't budget at all. I really don't believe in budgets at really? all. Yeah. Wow. I like my I'm my philosophy is Me pay too. yourself, pay your bills, spend the rest. I've lived by that almost I live for by that years. as well. I don't budget. So, so by spend the rest also means save, right? Yeah. Like you're spending it in your own saving for the future. Exactly. So when you pay yourself, you're investing in your retirement, you're putting money away for that trip that's coming up in three months, you're putting money away for that gift you want to buy your friend then when you pay your bills you're paying the boring stuff right the mortgage the utilities all the credit card bill whatever that came in and if you've got four hundred dollars left go and blow it on whatever you want because yeah. oh, you've taken that. care of your responsibilities um but if at the end of that you've only got ten dollars left and you got to think oh what am i spending so much on that i've got nothing left at the end to spend on myself so if you have the money spend a little more if you don't have the money then then hold back don't just spend take care much. of your responsibilities yeah. first and then mm-hmm. you won't feel bad like you can go out for a 400 dollars dinner and not feel bad because you've taken care of everything okay else. here oh, sorry Joan, so, you, want- you know what it's really hard to teach your kids this because <laughs> my kids are in their teens now and and you know looking at part-time jobs and stuff and my son wanted to get a job at, at a checkout at a grocery store and he said mom I don't even know what an air miles card is 
So, like, you know, it's such a big concept between primary adults in a relationship, let yep. alone the trickle-down thing. So, let him get that job. That would be good for him, it right? Be. Yeah. yeah. So here's a scenario. You have an ex and you both have kids together. And you both parent differently. So you don't agree on allowance for the kids and how to manage the money that they're receiving. So he gives them a lot more than you do. Their expectations are now growing. What do you do in this situation? I think that those types of situations, and if it's affecting the way that your kids feel about you and your money, then you need to have the conversation with the ex. If the kids are wise enough to understand that you know, dad makes more, so dad can afford to do different things with us. What if dad's trying to buy the kids well, with the money? You've got to talk to your ex and say, this is, you know, especially if you've got primary custody. Is that what it's called? Primary custody when you have, or sole custody or whatever it is. If you've, if you've got the kids most of the time and they're coming back from a weekend of spending all this money and having the same expectations, you've got to talk to your ex and say, we're co-parenting. We've got to be on, you know, we've got to be, show a, a solid front when it comes to financial values. And if you're going and just spending all the money on them and they're coming home with these expectations, I'm not going to be able to afford it. And so you've got to either help them understand that this only happens when they're with you you and that they still respect the money that I have or you got to stop because I mean that's I guess that's what's difficult in co-parenting right coming well, speaking up with, those things. with your ex is important but speaking with your kids Absolutely, I think it's yeah. even more important and you know depending on their age and stage but the more you can share with them and just be completely honest and open that's how they're going to learn about finances too here's here's the situation of my mom and look what we're doing and how we're living and they'll remember what a great job she's doing! Yeah, I think I think that kids, uh, I think kids really appreciate that honesty, even from a young age. I mean, even 10, 11 year olds can easily sort of understand that money drives different things, and so if we don't have, and a, it doesn't grow on trees, and it doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> I think that I think, and I think ten year olds appreciate that. I think they're like, wow, now I understand why things work the way they do, and that can make okay, them feel so let's powerful. Talk, so let's dive into dating now. So when you're not quite in a relationship, you're dating. Who pays for what in the beginning? Oh, boy. <laughs> so um, what are I, your thoughts I, on this? I think the person who asks the other one out should pay. Or who, so, for example, if I make a lot more money than the person that I want to ask a you know ask out for a date, and I say to them, hey, let's go to this expensive steakhouse, then I should fully expect to pay for it because I am the one asking that person. I'm the one who suggested that restaurant. If they ask me and they say, let's just go for a walk down, you know, at Sunnyside Beach for a boardwalk walk because that's what they can afford and they want to spend time with me doing that, then that's, you know, that's okay. But if you're the one making the suggestions and you're the one making the dates, you should pay for it because you're not at the point in your relationship where you can be like, well, can you afford it? And you very quickly realize who makes more and who makes less. Well, I always suggest that a guy pays for the first date, especially if you ask the girl out. What if but, the girl asks well, the guy out? If the girl out? asks the guy out, but the guy really likes her, I think he should still pay for that date. I think the girl should Don't still you, reach for her You know, wallet. I'm kind of old school and I <laughs> do agree with well. that. I'm old school as well. And you know what? A lot of women are old school too. And yes, yeah, she should reach for her wallet. Uh, just to show the guy that she respects him, but I don't think she should, she pull, should do pull any money out. <laughs> she can do something else. Not to on reciprocate. a first date. Yeah, not on a first date. I totally agree. But at some point, you should do something to reciprocate. Like, of course, you know what I reciprocate. Used to do? What if I was ever taken out for a nice dinner? I'd say, "Can I buy you a drink at a different bar?" Because that would make me feel like I did something too. Yeah, and, that and there's nothing wrong my... with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Right, and it made me feel like I contributed to this date. I did something that you know 
we enjoy together. What a great conversation. <laughs> Please stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm here with my real estate friend, Holly Garvey-Penny. What's up with HGP's tips and trends today? Hi, Sandra. Today's tip I'm calling Know What You Want and Get It. Although the media today is talking about a market downturn, good properties are selling fast with interest from multiple buyers. In fact, I just experienced an offer night with seven bidders. So make sure you do your research, know what you want and can afford, know what good value is, and strategize with your realtor to get it. Call or email me today to do it. I can help you. They can reach you at hgp at bosleyrealestate.com or 416-322-8000. Thanks, Sandra. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And we're back. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We're talking about the impact of money on relationships with personal finance expert Rubina Ahmed Huck. And my co-host is Joan Kelly Walker of The Real Housewives of Toronto. What a great show. With the holidays coming up, Rubina, uh, what if you just started dating? How do you decide what to spend on your significant other? Um, I think it depends on your relationship, but I wouldn't go too big on a no, new relationship because it just kind of sends a. I feel like it, it makes very person, awkward. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, if one person spends, the other person doesn't. You're trying to just be thoughtful and cute, yeah. and they and get then something big. All of a sudden, you get this big gift, and you're like, "Oh no, I, I got you something little." Yeah, and then you're embarrassed. I think it's more important in the beginning because we're all trying to, you know, show our best face and be like the best versions of ourselves. So if you see like maybe. They don't have mitts or something. You know, something simple and small. You go buy them like a really nice pair of cozy mitts and they really appreciate that. But it's not like you're do going and buying them something, you know, three, four hundred dollars worth where they're gonna feel like, oh, I only spent like twenty dollars on you. Or if you feel comfortable enough, you can just make a joke and be like, Hey, the holidays are coming up. Don't worry about me. Let's just have a dinner to celebrate. You know, if if you feel comfortable, I think that comes down to how you feel about the relationship. And what if you're married and don't have a lot of money? Um, I Should think you exchange gifts? I, I mean, again, you can make I don't it really e- we small. We don't exchange gifts. I don't exchange gifts no. either. No. I can't, no. Because it's we have that type of relationship where if I see something, if I go shopping, I always grab it. him something. Mm-hmm. And if he sees something, he grabs me something. So I, Christmas is just, you know, an, an excuse to get together with family and friends. <laughs> I think so. And like, we'll sometimes like, like my husband, and I just booked a trip to Italy in April. So as nice. soon as I booked it, I said, do not get me a Christmas gift. This is my Christmas yeah. gift because we're going to go to Italy. We're obviously going to spend money there. And it's our first trip away from the kids since we had kids, like five, six years after, you know, we had our first child. So we're really looking forward to it. I'm like, let's just, you know, you can you can do that easily. Like say, hey, th- th- this thing we spent money on, that's the Christmas gift. Don't yeah. worry about anything. Or buy else. yourself something beautiful in Italy, and exactly. that's your gift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, how can we start? Uh, well, how can you start your relationship on the right financial foot? 
I think being open about your money values. So like, don't try to pretend to be something that you're not. So if the person is like, you know, spending money on all these things that don't make you feel comfortable, then you can say, you know, that's, I can't afford that. Or that's not really like how I'd want to spend my money. You can do it in your way. You don't have to do it in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable. But you know, I've dated men before I met my husband where I didn't like the way they spent money. And I'd just be like, you know, I just, I just don't feel comfortable spending my money on that. And even if they were like, well, we'll treat you. I'd be like, I just, it's not my thing. Right. So to be just be your authentic self and I think that's going to help you find you know the person that really matches your money values as well and if they're doing something that makes you uncomfortable um, you know asking you to spend money on things that make you uncomfortable let them know I totally agree I think honesty and full disclosure and uh, you've got to set a goal and keep the goal in mind like the ultimate goal would be that you want to have a great relationship Mm -hmm. so that's way more important than fighting about money so you got to you got to figure it out how to do that okay so last question for you, Rubina. Mm-hmm. Can financially incompatible couples live happily ever after? I think they can. I can. Yeah, I think as so long too. as they both learn so to too. compromise. I think as long as you appreciate what the other person is contributing. Absolutely, yeah. And, and and also that you need to change some of your habits to meet them in the middle. So if you're the spender, you've got to maybe you know, realize that they like to save some money so that they can afford bigger things later. And if you're the saver, you've got to understand that they like to spend money on the finer things in life because that's how they enjoy spending their money. As long as you're not digging yourself into a financial hole and you're doing that thing, paying yourself, paying your bills and spending the rest, then you're okay. You can you can sort of meet in the middle somewhere with your three finances. P's. Yeah, I guess three P's. Yeah. P-P-P. <laughs> so there you have it. You can be financially incompatible and still live happily ever after. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. I hope uh, people out there learned a lot. If you have any questions, uh, money questions for Rabina, you can reach out to her on Twitter at Always Save Money. And you can uh, check out uh, what Joan's doing. You can visit her website, joankellywalker.com, or you can visit Instagram. Joan KWW. Did right. I get that right? Yep. Thank you. And as for little old me on Instagram, you can reach out to me at Laura underscore Bellotta. You can reach us on Facebook at Dating and Relationship Show. You can also check out my website, singleinthecity.ca. And I am having this amazing New Year's Eve party for single people at Bangkok Garden here in Toronto. Again, you can check out singleinthecity.ca. Thank you guys at home for tuning in um, each and every week and see you next week. Ciao for now.